I'll start uh, try to start with my English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, in my opinion, the black bears and the and the brown bears aren't that big difference. Uh, my opinion, if you had a 200 kilo black bear, I'm I'm pretty sure it would act about the same as a 200 kilo brown bear. Mm-hmm. So it, many times right. uh, I, I, I'm more like sort of in, into the size of the bear is more significant than if it's a black or a brown bear. Okay. You think sure. it's just the size that makes the difference, really? The attitude's a lot similar? Yeah. Well, you know, if you have a 50 kilo black bear and a 50 kilo brown bear, it doesn't really matter. They, they both want to go up a tree. Right. So, right. I I wouldn't say that I, I I've been some in in Canada and uh, quite a few times mm-hmm. uh, visiting uh, Steve Moore in British Columbia, and uh, so I've seen quite a few black bears. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I might as well introduce you. Um, we have Rasmus, and it's Bostrom is the last name, correct? Yeah, yeah. And you're from Sweden. Yes, correct. All right, because we are. We're having some uh, episodes abroad lately. We had Bear on with us last time, and he brought you to our attention and uh, said that you were a pretty serious predator hunter over there. And we're honored to have you on. I don't think there's many people that do more. I don't think there's many people that have a better resume as a predator hunter than than you do, Rasmus. I don't know. You may be correct and correct me on that, but uh, I don't know. At least when I asked, people said that. Yeah. Well, one of the questions I've definitely got here is that, you know, I, I talk to people, I'm originally from Maine, which is up right on the Canadian border in the United States. And I've got friends and I've got friends in um, Tennessee and, and over in uh, North Carolina that run black bears. And, you know, they, they all tend to agree that their biggest challenge or the, or the thing that they, that the thing that's toughest on the dogs is going to be what they call the walking bear, which is a bear that won't tree and just slowly walks, won't let itself be run, just slowly walks, turns around, beats up on the dogs every now and then, but just kind of keeps slowly walking along through the forest. And from what I gather from some of these, um, some of these European brown bears, that's pretty much what they do. Is that, is that fair to say that they are pretty hard on the dogs when they're just kind of plodding along there? Yeah, well, um, yeah, you could say that, uh, but, uh, well, it's not that, uh, if you asked me 10 years ago, I would, I, I, I maybe would have been much more certain in, in some questions, <laughs> that's <laughs> that you get more uncertain by the ears because you see every different behavior on bears. Right. Uh, well, in my opinion, you it depends on what you want, but I mean, for young dogs, I would say uh, if you start training and start talking training and such, I would definitely always choose a running bear for the young dogs. Uh, and okay. then ne- next time, I would use uh, I would choose a walking bear. And in the end, when they're a little more certain i would use a standing you know a bear that bays i would i would wait with the baying bear 
uh, actually for a while because that, that's hard on the dogs. Uh, I'm not sure if you yeah. got uh, my <laughs> what I think about, but yeah, oh, absolutely. That that made perfect sense to me. I've I've been in Scandinavia for about ten years, so maybe it just made sense to me. But I'm pretty sure that made sense to Jason. <laughs> yeah, no, I and I think uh, a lot of people I've talked to here in the states and international. I mean, a bear is a bear is a bear. Yeah. It seems like yeah. Um, oh yeah. I would imagine it, it's a little different conditions where you're at. I mean, can you kind of give us an idea of? The terrain you're hunting, the temperatures, setting conditions. I mean, what are we looking at comparable-wise? You said you've been to BC or, or Canada a bit. Yeah. Would you say it's pretty similar to that? Well, um, up and about Williams Lake, you could say. Mm -hmm. uh, a little north, not so high up north in BC, but you know, not down at Vancouver. Yeah, uh, but up at Williams Lake okay. region, uh, Dog Creek, uh, I would say it's pretty much similar to Sweden. Okay, it's uh, not so mm. high country, but uh, you know there are some roads and everything. Uh, I do remember the first time when I was visiting Stephen, we were um, a little north of uh, Vancouver. And I think yeah that. That run we had on one bear, it killed one dog and one round. That was the first chase. That's a bad start. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I thought, well, I thought, you know, is every run like this, you know? <laughs> yeah, I got it. Bad. Were, were those your dogs that got munched? No, no, no. Uh, this was before you had your own, your own dogs? Or well, I br I brought dogs. Uh, I brought one dog to him, actually. Okay. Uh, but he wasn't on that run, fortunately. <laughs> that's that's good. What uh, I'm real interested about your dogs because I follow you on Facebook. I follow you on Instagram. I see that you've got different dogs for different for different things. Could you could you tell tell me a little bit about your dogs? I know you I know you like plots or have had plots uh, in oh, the yeah. past or. Well, Little I Jewish. have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, but it looks like your fox hunting dog might be a little bit of a different, different yeah. animal. Yeah. Yeah. It, Can it, you tell is. us a little bit about him? <laughs> yeah. A little different mentality yeah. than a bear dog, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I have owned uh, a few plots by the years now. And, uh, yeah. And, um, well, I must say that, um, in my opinion, I, I do think that the, most of the plots I've hunted with is uh, is barking too much, and uh, I want when I hunt fox, for example, I want a dog that goes fast, really fast, as fast as they can run. Uh, and then I don't want them to open up on a track. I want them to go quiet, so they're they're supposed to standing on the fox when they race it. Okay. Uh, uh, but you know that all depends on what you want. <laughs> but when we're hunting bear, I really enjoy a dog that you know when he has the track, I want him to open good so I can hear him. Uh, but that's a big, big difference in, in my opinion because mainly I could say that like this that uh, in the winter time we have a lot 
of snow here. So I do really want a, a dog that goes uh, close to the fox before he lifts it, before otherwise the, the fox will have a really serious uh, head lead uh, or what the hell the name is. <laughs> they just yeah, kind of yeah, skip yeah. out in front of you. Yeah. I want him to, you know, run the hell out of him. Mm -hmm. So when he comes running, you know, he won't be looking for anything. He just runs and then I shoot him. <laughs> so you, gotcha. those are red fox, right? You're shooting them out in front of the dogs or they go to ground? They go, well, you know, every time if I can choose, I, I, I shoot them on the ground. But then I have den dogs, terriers, also when they go down, of course. Uh, yeah. You could say because of the type of fox sound I like to use, I could say that I shoot. Uh, if I shoot ten foxes, nine is uh, with the terriers and one is on the ground. Really, so, really, yeah. What kind of terriers do you have? Are these are these like Jack Russell terriers, or what are what what's the breed of terrier you've got? Uh, fox terriers. It's okay. like a, it's like a Jack Russell, you could say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're sure, sure, they're sure. white, so <laughs> it's not a big difference. Right. How many dogs do you have in total? Um, That's uh, a true hound guy right there. <laughs> a true hound guy. When you got to think about how many dogs are out in the kennel. Yeah, I have to think. Well, it's not so many now, actually. I only seven. Only seven. Okay. Uh, I got two plots and uh, two. Um, Foxhounds and two terriers, and then we have a Swedish, a Finnish uh, Spitz for you know hunting okay. birds and such. Sure, sure. You hunt sure. a Spitz too. Those are cool little dogs. They're they're an awesome utilitarian dog, aren't they? I mean, what kind of work? You said like bird work with them. You're using them mainly. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The, at least the one we have now. Uh, I had the first uh, Finnish Spitz dog I had before he. I used them for badger and uh, mink and marten and birds, you know, mm -hmm. caper kale and black crows. Um, but I think the, the one we have now is mainly for uh, caper kale and black crows. But once in a while he gets to a mink hunt or something sometimes. I actually, I had a litter of blue ticks. I had shipped a, a bitch in. Uh, from Robbie and Lisa Brooks, they they own uh, dog's name was Mad Dog Psycho Sid. He was a really big blue tick in the UKC world, and I ended up getting a a female off of him and some stuff that goes back to uh, my friends Russ Downing and his family back in Wisconsin. But she had a litter of sixteen pups, okay. and it wow. was oh my god, it was horrible. It was a, a litter of sixteen. We C-sectioned because we thought she was having complications and the vet said, we've only got one heartbeat, you know, out of what we thought was like 10 puppies. So we said, do right. the emergency C-section. You know, I've been waiting years. I mean, I drove all the way back to the world hunt to meet Robbie and Lisa on a whim. Like I just found them at the event because I knew their dogs. And uh, we ended up having that litter but she did not take to those pups because she had never been bred. She was, I think six years old and she had such a big prey drive. I mean, she tried, she tried to take care of her own pups. I mean, we had to stitch two or right. three up. It was not a pretty picture, but we actually had a finished spitz that somebody let us use as a milkmaid. So I nursed 
a litter of 16 blue tick pups off of okay. a finished spits for about three days to get them the colostrum. Good. Was, yeah. was there anything left of the finished spits or was oh it like gosh. an empty tube of toothpaste when you was done? <laughs> was it everybody said I was trying to make fox dogs out of blue ticks, so I just started milking them off. <laughs> I got a picture somewhere. Maybe I can put it in the episode notes or something. But That's cool. So the plot dogs, where where did they come from? Are they something that you've been breeding over there, or do you import them? Well, you know, actually, me and a friend of mine was the first to take some take plot dogs to Scandinavia. Uh, really? Yep. Yeah. Uh, me and a, it's about uh, let's see, um, uh, could be about. Uh, 17, 18 years or something like that. And we we brought um, a bread bitch from Steve Moore that lives uh, in BC. Mm-hmm. He, is, uh, he has uh, Ursus kennel. He breeds plots for well, bear hunting, you could yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, the friend of mine, well, he died in cancer lately, but uh, uh, he had good connections over there. So he arranged it, and we brought her, her over here together and, you know, bred up the, the puppies. That's interesting. I, I know that here in Norway, um, the plot is gaining some popularity. Um, are, the, are the plots that are over here now, are they originally from, from your line? Like, how big are yours? I've noticed that some of the plots over here, compared to what I was seeing in Maine or seeing in North Carolina, are maybe a little bit smaller than I would have expected them to be, or? Yeah, well, I would, well, I would say that most of the plots, uh, not every, you have different strains that has gotten here, which is good, but a lot of the plots are from Steve Moore. Yeah. Uh, You could say that because, uh, well, for quite a while, we were the only that brought them in from him, and, Eventually, other guys, you know, started picking from other places. I mean, um, right. North America is a, quite a big place to get dogs from. So, <laughs> it is a big place. What made you go to the trouble of importing plots from the United States? Was I mean, there <clears throat> there's quite a few European breeds of hounds as well. What made it? What made you go for plots instead of trying? Or continuing to try, I, I assume you had started with something else. Yeah, well, I had the Foxhound and the Leica, uh, East Siberian Leica. That, uh, well, it depends. If you count uh, in the beginning of the 2000s, they were doing good. Yeah. But, but if you compare to the best plots I've seen today, they weren't as good. Absolutely okay. not. Okay. Uh, so, well, the thing is that my friend, uh, Staffan, his, uh, was the name that uh, had the connections over there. He was mainly interested in, in lynx hunting. Uh, okay. So he was talking about those hounds that barked the good tree. You know, they treat good, you could mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And uh, that has been a big issue for us in Scandinavia before, anyway, that we don't really have any hounds that tree good because yeah. they're, they're used to hunt 
you know fox and rabbit uh, yeah rabbit and such but they don't yep. they don't usually go up in a tree so right. he he was most into that but i said you know well you know this is quite a few years so i said well you know if if you can hunt black bear with them what 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 says that you can't use them for brown bear too so we took mm-hmm. a chance <laughs> and it we worked yeah, well, it worked. It, you know, I I sort of reckon that, uh, I mean, in the end of nineties, if you were a good bear hunter, maybe you killed one bear. Mm-hmm. I don't know every, uh, well, every second year, <laughs> then you were the really? the, the the bear hunter. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, we sort of managed to get over that too but i i must say still that when we got the the really good plots that really do the what they're supposed to do i mean you can almost catch every bear you want really is there a lot of bear where you're at i mean what is the opportunity like well you have to well the thing is that i mean we have a quota system here so it starts the 21st of August, and then everyone can go out hunting bear. And when the quota is full, it, it's closed. Mm-hmm. So that makes uh, those, I mean, in the area I live, we have about three days until the season is closed. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Short. So, yeah, it's really short, and you have to sleep a little for yeah. those days. <laughs> are, and, uh, are you able to run? bears once the season's closed are you still able to run bears and not kill them or is it no no running them nothing oh yeah we have a training season that starts the 21st of august until the 15th of october okay yeah so so we have a training season and i'm really trying to use it uh, uh, maybe not to uh what can i say not um to run every bear i can but to run the bears that i want to put my dogs on depends Mm. on how old they are and such i mean if if i want uh, to see what they can manage how long they can stand and bay a bear well then i choose a big one right Right. and uh, if i you know if i don't want if i have a young dog like the foxhound I had when he was one and a half and two years and such. I didn't want him to bay the bears. I just wanted to run and, you know, see, especially see that he runs bear. I don't, you know, do trash, you know, go for a deer instead or a, a, a moose or something. Mm-hmm. That's the big issue in that, in the young area, early stage, I think. Then you can catch them and put them on the track and gain and such. That's the big thing then. But if they don't do the, the stupid things, I just want them to run the bear and having fun. Uh, because right. uh, with, the, with the Scandinav, a lot of the Scandinav uh, hounds aren't bred for you know baying. So that's why I usually want to wait a little for you know to introduce it for them. <laughs> Till they can handle it, kind of. Yeah, mentally handle it because it's really tough on the dogs to standing there for hours and hours. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's right on the mentally ready because I, I get a lot of phone calls. I mean, guys wanting to talk about training young dogs, which by no means am I an expert trainer. I am far from it. But, you know, my big thing is, is that dog will be ready when that dog is ready. I've had dogs that didn't run a track until they were two years old, but they would rig at four months. And I just saw something in them and I realized I was young and didn't know what I was doing. So I just gave them time and time and time. And when that dog was mentally ready, I mean, it was light switch. But in your situation, you know, you put a young dog on a big walking brown bear. I'm sure that you could ruin a dog in one quick second, just one bad turn and not knowing how to maneuver or a dog to back out when it needs to. You could probably, I mean, we all know what could happen, but. At best, you can really freak them out and mess with their progression, right? Yeah, well, that could be the end of it, mm-hmm. that training right. session. So, I mean, well, like here in Norway, I know that they only allow you to let one dog loose at a time. Is it the uh, same there, or can you let a pack loose? Well, we have two dog rule in Sweden. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, I think. Um, I guess I was the, um, well, I guess it's my fault that we have a two-dog rule. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, I I introduced, uh, you know, the pack hunting Mm -hmm. in Sweden. And uh, I do think, actually, in the beginning, people thought that, uh, you know, that was, um, well, I think it, it aggravated some people that was high up. Mm-hmm. And they they thought that you know okay, so that's how we you know that's how they can kill as many bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you understand what I mean, mm-hmm. I mean. So they thought, well, you, if you make a two dog rule, then we make stop of that. It doesn't have to go that fast. But you know what this right. what they missed is that I think we never ever put more than two good dogs on a bear, but right. we have a couple maybe a couple of or three young dogs that you know supposed to get there but you know as with young dogs maybe they do maybe they don't mm-hmm. so right. they sort of mis- misinterpreted uh, what we were doing but anyway <laughs> never mind i we showed them that <laughs> you can kill as many bears as you want for two dogs or one for that right. sure sure yeah that's uh that's a good point That's interesting. because I mean, I remember back to our bear camp days down in California when I was first starting and I didn't know anything. I was green. My, uh, my great uncle ran hounds, but I did not know that until I had already started hunting with this group that would travel to California. And it turns out a couple of them actually knew my great uncle. One of them hunted with them a bit. Um, but it was all about, training that next generation you know everybody kind of had that that old finished dog or that one really good bay dog or a couple but you know it was a bunch of puppies running a lot of times you know because it was good scent a bear puts off plenty of scent Mm. and uh i could see how running two dogs would make it a bit harder to train that next generation yeah now is it two you can you can run at one time. So can you relay dogs in and out if you catch them at a crossing or you want to get 
you know, a young dog out before they actually catch it? Well, um, I think the first thing is that in Sweden, you're not uh, allowed to use uh, uh, cars and ATVs and such to move uh, while you're, uh, you can drive out to the hunting land, but you're not allowed to use them while you're hunting. Wow. So that means that you can't, uh, well, that's the first thing. But the, the other thing is that you aren't allowed to switch dogs. Oh. So, but, oh. you know, um, but that all depends. I mean, it all depends also what was the situation is, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it could turn yeah. out like this. I mean, if you have a, you could always put a, a good trailing dog on the track that are too old for the young dogs to pick mm-hmm. because they yeah. won't do it. And then you can have someone catching him further on the track when it's fresher. And then you could put the young dogs and start the hunt. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sort of. But, you know, you never know because eventually the, dog, the old dog lifts the bear. Right. So it's, it's not a perfect system. And by, by lift... I'm assuming that kind of translates to what we call the jumped race when they're actually running yeah. the game and they're not trailing the track. No, they jumped the bear. Yeah. They have jumped it. Yeah. Correct. Which is a whole different ball game than trailing. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, it is. But, but they also, you know, the trailing is the, the key. Right. We, we don't really have so many bears around there that we just find them, but, we have to have good trailing dogs. Do you road? Like, do you, are, do you drive around until you find a good track to put them down on? Or do your dogs, do you put your dogs on the ground and they need to do, they need to search for the start of a track? Well, it depends. Uh, I have, well, I don't think I've, I have any pre-casting dogs now that will, you know, just run there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mainly I could say because I, I, I have a really, really good dot. <laughs> the name is Blaze or Blosser, like the weapon name. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And, um, well, you know, I'm, I'm so careful with him because uh, he, he will go after any bear. So I usually leash with him, you know, trailing in a leash. <laughs> Until I can, I'm sure mm-hmm. what kind of bear I put on him or him on. Gotcha. So, so, well, it's not as fun as precasting, but uh, uh, well, at least I have. Do the you control. wear out a couple of, right? Do so you wear out a couple of pairs of hiking boots a year? Then you're well, you're walking a lot. I'm walking a lot. Yeah, I'm walking a lot. <laughs> yeah, I do. So. I like I've been around some black, a few black bear races, but with these browns, do they stay pretty close? I mean, are they an animal that that more circles and stays close to its home range, or like we've had bears that we just ran for hours and hours and hours and hours and over mountain ranges? And are these bears that you get to kind of keep up with the dogs on foot, or do they spend most of the time out of hearing? 
Well, it depends. Um, I would say about you know the size of the bear a lot. Uh, in my opinion, I would say that you the most of the time when you have a bear that you know smokes out of the country, you could say just runs straight forward. It most of the time is a, a small bear, right? Uh, he, so he just takes off, you know, and uh, but you know eventually they usually turn and come back, but it it can take some hours. We uh, all joke the the hundred pounders. You can see the Nike swoosh in the the bottom yeah. of the foot track because they correct all yeah. day. Yeah, well, it's a runner. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad some of the terms at least are crossing over translation wise. Yeah, you know, sure. we're right with you. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the international language of houndsmen, I guess. Yeah, right. What? When did you get started in in hounds specifically? I guess hunting in general, but hounds specifically, Rasper. Um. Well, it took me a while. I think it was uh, in the. Uh, well, ninety-seven or something like that. Okay. Uh, I had. What got you started? Well, the first thing I had by that time I had a Finnish Spitz dog, and I mm-hmm. had some terriers. Uh, but then I realized that, um, I mean, if you're supposed to be successful fox hunter, you have to have a hound, you know. To, right. to, to chase down the, the foxes down to ground to the den and also well I, you get a, a big amount of more effective with a good hound you know for fox hunting oh sure so, so you were a fox hunter first and then th- that was what made you get into hounds yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well I, I you know by the time I had my first fox hound I didn't know what bear hunting was <laughs> okay so, so i i had no ad- idea about that one so it just turned out that that foxhound uh, well by the standards by that time it was a really good one he, he liked to chase bears yeah mm-hmm. so we we sort of uh, i actually bought them pretty far south in sweden <laughs> so we had the luck both in, him and i that we found each other that's Are there cool. a, a lot of houndsmen in Sweden, or is it a pretty tight niche of guys? Well, you have quite a few uh, people that use hounds. For some, use them for rabbit, but there's a lot of guys that use them for, you know, fox and lynx and also bear. Hmm. Hmm. So, I've I've heard there's a lot of wild boar. I've I've been down in southern Sweden a couple of times hunting wild boar. Do you yeah. do any wild boar hunting with your with your hound? No. Well, you like too could, much. <laughs> yeah, to eat them maybe. <laughs> well, you think uh, I've been hunting uh, wild boar before with my plots, for example, and other hounds too. Uh, but the thing is that uh, the way I see it, they usually get hurt. You know, wounded. Is the correct word maybe? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I I've done that a few times with the young plots, for example, and when I realized that they start getting too cocky or and and get, you know, you have to ditch them and everything, then I stop. Right. 
the, so I kind of I don't hunt wild boar with any of the good plots I've had because I I reckon them too worthy, too much worth for me for for, for bear hunting. Mm-hmm. Sure, just can't sure. risk it. Wasn't it wasn't no. it Von Blatt that said uh, hunting wild boar is the fastest way he knows out of the dog business? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I haven't heard it, but I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a rough one. You know, to have a good boar dog, it, it seems like you, you spend time stitching or at the vet's office. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, I've had dogs that got hurt and everything by the while the boars, but if they're good bear dogs, I want to keep them good. You know, I want to have them as long as I can. Right. Sure. And I... And the other ones I don't really care for having. (laughs) (laughs) You got the A team and the B team. Yeah, well, yeah. And the B team, they get to to chase wild boar, of course, and (laughs) other things too, (laughs) wolf and such. (laughs) Speaking of wolves, you you have a video out. Yeah. Of your hounds tangling with a couple of wolves. Yeah. That's a that's an intense video. Are are wolves a big problem for you guys over there? Well, yeah, it is a, a bigger and bigger problem actually here in Sweden. Uh, can't say that. I mean, it's it goes up and down. You could say with the with the wolves. I mean, they switch areas and and everything. And uh, mm-hmm. fortunately, we have reindeers around here, so. Every time they go and misbehave there, uh, they get to be killed. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's good. Right. Sure. <laughs> See, it's we an international thing because we've got some major wolf problems here now. Yeah, I, I mean, in yeah. states like Idaho and Montana and Wisconsin, and you know, it's it's horrible to see what can happen, you know, out there. You know, and it's, it's changed how a lot of these guys hunt. You know, you've got to make big loops to make sure that there's not a wolf in the area. You got to stay tight with the dogs. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's sad that it's gone from big family event, turning dogs out, having a great hunt, to having that constantly in the back of your mind. I mean, even yeah. me here in Oregon, I have spots that I flat will not go back to because you know we've had wolf encounters, and it, it's All just right. like you say, the dogs are too much worth to risk. You know, is is a bobcat worth losing a dog to a wolf? No, right. It's just, it's a sad thing, but it seems to be the same everywhere you go with those things. <laughs> it doesn't matter what yeah. country or state you're in. It's just, it seems to be a, a constant issue with the hounds. Oh yeah, uh, and also yeah. I must say that the, you you talked about the video se- sequence that was out there, uh, mm. and actually we tried to be sure that there wasn't, weren't any wolves around and were, it was fresh snow. But the problem was that it had been snowing and uh, winding the whole night. Mm-hmm. Oh. So they had been walking in there while it was, you know, yeah. uh, not a blizzard, but, you know, it was the, the, the tracks was erased mm-hmm. <laughs> right. from the wolves in that Otherwise, we wouldn't have been putting any dogs on the ground there, of course. Right. Right. What, um, after the, you said it starts the, the 15th, 
the season for bear starts the 15th of august no 21st 21st sorry yeah mm. uh, once that season is over and you're you're done with your training season and things like that are you able to go to do you travel to other places to with your dogs to hunt bear to keep them going all year round or are you really just intensively hunting in that two month period well yeah we don't have any other places really that we can go do you mean if i go to to states or yeah, that go to you know BC or Latvia or or somewhere where they they potentially still have some bears floating around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I haven't really done that. Uh, I've been to BC, but usually usually on the springtime. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but mostly I've been. Well, I we brought some young dogs over to BC to get them to opportunity to know what a bear is <laughs> you mm. could say and and to run of course yeah. uh, but um, well we don't have any, so many places that we can go and well I mean if you go to Latvia and other places there's pretty big uh, chance that they get killed by wolves sure yeah so well well sadly for some of the plots they don't get to do that much <laughs> fun during the winter time (laughs) right yeah so what do you do in the off season then do you do you have like an exercise regiment with them or do they just sit kind of dormant until season rolls around again well of course they get to move i mean i i'll take them out uh, during the summer uh, spring and summertime i i cycle them you know they get to Mm -hmm. run uh during winter well we get to we get them out there and take them along in the snow and everything um so they get to run but it isn't as much training as i mean springtime and such right um i i also do need the dogs to be pretty fit because i help some uh, amongst others i helped uh, uh government to catch bears by the spring with oh, the dog okay. and uh, yeah well it's some kind of uh, 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 let me see if i can find the name well you color the bears to see if they kill many reindeers <laughs> that's the oh, big okay. thing like tracking yeah. collars on them yeah you put uh, and, they, and you see how many reindeers they kill and everything how much does he like you would say the average bear how many reindeer a year does it kill well i must say actually i don't know Uh, that's fair enough (laughs) yeah well the thing is what they can see so far is that some bears are really good or bad in killing reindeer Mm -hmm. and some of them don't really you know bother doing it it's a big difference uh, between bears you could say like almost uh, I do, a learned behavior yeah most most uh, I, I do think that some of those that do kill a lot of reindeers they have gotten that taught by the mother mm-hmm. um as as far as i could hear i think we caught uh, a young bear it wasn't big about 60 kilo and that bear i think was one of those colored bears that took the most reindeer this spring okay 
So, Mainly during fawning season. Yeah, well, the, it's about a month there, May, June, that yep. they are really on to the, because after that they get to be a little too fast. And then they, it, uh, things start to grow also, so they start eating other things. Yeah, that's the same here in a lot of parts of the state. I know, especially where I'm at, you go out for your spring bear tags and you find bear sign and it's just hoofs after, you know, pile after pile. I mean, it's amazing the damage of, of even a black bear can make on a deer population mm-hmm. in a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So bear was telling me that he first kind of got to know about you Rasmus through you do some kind of a seminar for predator hunting. Is that true? Yeah. Well, I, uh, until the corona, I was driving around a lot. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> I mean, got that over there too. Still, I've, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So, what uh, kind? Of, what does a seminar look like? What are you doing? More promoting uh, what we do as an educational tool, or is it guys interested in hounds and like a training clinic? Uh, no, I just the most of the time it's uh, I do have seminars about. Uh, well, you could say uh, how to f- make bear hunting or wolf hunting or uh, lynx hunting or <laughs> fox hunting mm-hmm. or mink hunting, uh, how, how to make it effective. Uh, and it it's, uh, amazes me how many, much people that uh, anyway are in, interested in hearing what I have to say. And I think really think that's fun. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also really, really fun with people calls back sometimes and says, you know, you know, you know, we had a seminar one and a half years ago, and we killed this wolf thanks to the, those things you said, for oh, example. That's awesome. That is really cool. It's amazing what just that little connection can make. I mean, like even me and Bear, we didn't know each other until he had done, you know, a podcast. And then we got talking or, you know, Buddy and I try to do, uh, we do a couple of seminars for some local pointing, pointing dog clubs, but it, it's always nice to hear back from them later on. You know, I think that that's a pretty cool thing because the hound community, uh, the working dog community is so tight knit in so many ways. Oh yeah. Uh, it's nice to see people getting together and having an open mind because Everybody has a different opinion on training dogs. I mean, that's a given. Or, you know, or what makes a good dog. Or there's so many variables where, you know, truly the owner is the only judge. What you see in your eyes, you know, it doesn't matter if I would feed that dog or if you're tickled pink with it. it, I think that's the one thing that we've really got to keep sight on is uh his beauty is in the eye of the beholder, you know, and like you said, those dogs 10 years ago that you were hunting at the time, they were, they were great dogs. Am I right? Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. then the natural progression and the whole point of what we do with our breeding and our training is to make that better dog continually. You know, it's cool to watch that evolution over the years. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm amazed to see it. You know, I'm really happy that, uh, has been a part of that also to you know in the middle of it sort of <laughs> it's really so, fun so would you say a lot of the new hunters in your area is it out of like necessity 
as far as livestock depredation or managing populations, or is it more of a, a social event, you know, like a gathering where these people get together? Well, I would say that the most young hunters that I know is, I think they, they have so, sort of gotten to the hound hunting and everything, thanks that they're really interested. And it's uh, hmm. usually, I mean, when you're hunt, hound hunting, you're not standing on a post that, so it always, always happens something. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, with the dogs and you're around the dogs and you're sort of, you just don't stand and wait too much. And I think that's may, many times it's uh, the young hunters like it. And I think uh, the predator hunting all over has gotten a lot of the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would look 20 years ago here in Sweden, I think that a lot of people was interested in, in rabbing, rabbit hunting, for example. Mm. Uh, I would say a lot of areas now you find more foxhounds than you find rabbit hounds. <laughs> really? Yeah. That was a, something I was having a conversation with somebody about recently here in Norway. Is is he was he was sort of lamenting. He was he was upset about um, how difficult it was to find a good fox or lynx dog mm-hmm. in Norway because so many of these dogs that had been really good fox dogs, maybe for the breeds. 30 years ago when the uh, when the the mange the scub mm-hmm. went through the fox population in Norway yeah. uh, they all switched to rabbit hunting because there were no foxes lost and, population all, yeah well we lost almost i think we lost something insane like 93% of the fox population got oh, yeah. um yeah, yeah. got um, sarcoptic mange and died and um, he was saying that he thought that a lot of the breeds that are available here in Norway anyway had been bred so far away from the predator hunting and were so fox oriented that it was hard to get a good fox dog yeah. um, anymore. Well, I do believe that too, but the, there, well, I can see the same thing, but then you have the, you know, let's say about 18 to 25, 30 year old people. A lot, you know, the younger generation, you could say, they, uh, a lot of them don't uh, get rabbit dogs and such. They get the fox dogs, you know, the mm-hmm. predator dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I've definitely noticed there's a big, uh, there's a fairly distinct line in the generations between the uh, the hair guys and the uh, the fox guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is, and usually the, they're young and slim. The, Fox guys, <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, I, I I can't really tell into the beard, Jason, but at least I'm not uh, I'm not all that slim. But I definitely do the fox thing. But Jason and I both well, do same here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm fifty. The big boy club. <laughs> the big boy club. Well, Jason and I are both. That's kind of how we connected. I was on another podcast and and had talked a little bit about hunting in Norway and the differences between the hunting in Norway and the hunting in the United States. And I hunt foxes. I've got um, an American foxhound who's not not really what I wish she was. But mm-hmm. um, and I've also got a Russian hound who's um, developing just uh, really well. He's young, but he's he's only a year and a What's half. What's his so name? He's doing real well. 
His name is Buzz. Buzz, that's what I thought. Because he's pretty young, right? He is, yeah. He's a year and a half, but he's a yeah. big, I mean, he's a big boy. The Russian hounds are big. To be hounds, they're, they're, they're big. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's got to be, he's got to be approaching 35, 40 kilos. So like mm-hmm. 80, 90 pounds. Yeah, yeah. That's a big boy. Yeah. Um, but what hounds are you using for, because you do quite a bit of fox hunting. What, what hounds are you using for, for that? Are they the plots that didn't really work out for the bear or do you have a totally different breed you're using for that? Well, I have the fox hound, the Finnish fox hound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, yep. I have one, and uh, then I also have one that, that uh, the breed comes from southern Sweden. <clears throat> it's called Smålands Hound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't really know if there is any word for it in English, but <clears throat> but then I also have had uh, a Russian Hound, mm-hmm. um, and uh, what the hell? Well, I had one plot that I hunted fox with also. Okay. What did you uh, think of the, uh, the, the, those different hounds that you've used? You've got the Finnish hound and the small ones of it and the plot yeah. and the Russian. What, how, did you, how did you think that they worked compared to each other? Were they kind of a hound is a hound is a hound or were they very, very different types, really? Well, it really depends on how you like to hunt fox, for example. Uh, like I said before, I want the foxhound to to be. He shouldn't open too much on the track, and when he jumps the fox, I want him to run as fast as he can. Are they open on the jump? Uh, do you like a dog that's open on the jump, or do you like him to stay quiet until it goes to ground? No, no, I I really do love when they bark. You know, running it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want a, a quiet dog. <laughs> right. Uh, no, I, I, but I want them uh, to be honest, sort of, so I can hear how close to the fox they are. I mean, if they're one minute uh, behind or if they're 10 minutes, I want to be able to hear that. Uh, right. Use the voice but, as a gauge. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you could say they are. Um, um, yeah, well, I, I, I want to be able to hear that, okay, it sounds like he's pretty far behind now. Mm-hmm. Then I know that I, if I'm supposed to shoot the, the fox when he comes, I'm, I have to be pretty still and pretty ready. <laughs> right. Hmm. They just, the red fox, do they run a, a big pattern so you can get out in front of them? Do they usually run circles or follow drainages where you can post yourself ahead of the dog to get a shot? Well, because uh, the, ma- the main thing, what, how it looks when we run fox here, uh, well, may- maybe most because we have quick dogs, you know, fast runners, is that when, the, when they jump the fox, it goes out to the road and takes the road. And then it takes off maybe or shortcuts over a mountain to the next road and then it takes that road to a den <laughs> you could say mm-hmm. makes sense so so it's that's why i'm sad before you know if i get 10 foxes nine is in a den and one maybe i kill on you know running mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, well it's not so easy to be in the front of everything <laughs> right right 
Well, especially at least I've seen is when you get a fox under pressure, they don't necessarily always follow the plan. You know, when no. they're ducking and weaving and you know ducking dogs and running their own track back, survival instinct at some point takes over pattern. You oh, know. Yeah. So that's interesting to hear. It sounds like there are a lot of similarities, even in what I would say, at least myself and the and the guys that I hunt with and a lot of the fox hunters out this way, they, they want that same thing. You know, don't, don't let them know you're coming before you have to, you know, yeah. a, a quieter dog on trail until you can get it, get it up and then wide open. You know, everybody likes to hear a bunch of dogs ripping through the woods. Well, I like that one, but but you know, if if you run bear, I don't think it's that uh, important that they keep their mouth shut. You could say, but by that time, it doesn't really do me anything if they go, you know, if they bark on the track. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can live with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, right. <laughs> it's a little different. Yeah, it is. It is because most of the bears. Not always, but most of the bears, I mean, they, they hide until they sort of realize, that, okay, that they're, he's coming for me, not, not, not anything else. Right, like they don't know that those dogs are coming for them. They just hear them and kind yeah. of ignore it. Were those, well, were... They, they try to hide, you know, until they understand that they're actually coming for me. Then mm-hmm. they run. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. So. <clears throat> On top of all of the, you know, you do all the fox hunting, the bear hunting, all of this hound, all of this hound stuff. Do you, what other hunting are you doing? Do you hunt, do you hunt moose and deer and things like that as well? Uh, well, I really don't hunt any moose anymore, but I did before. Hmm. Uh, but I, th- I thought it took too much time from the predator hunting. So I quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and about the same with the deer hunting too. Uh, yeah. So may, mainly you could say I, the most of the things I do hunt, you can't eat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like fox and such. Are, do you guys well, eat the, I know the brown bear? I quite a bit of bear. Yeah. I was just going to ask that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we do eat brown bear. Yeah, we do. How do you guys, uh, how do you prepare it? Uh, well, I, I usually use it, do it as a steak. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. Most guys will tell you throw it in the trash because they don't know how good bear meat is. But I was, I was raised on bear meat. My dad was a, he was not a houndsman, but he was a, a bait hunter when it was legal mm-hmm. here. And uh, we used to do steaks with him all the time. And we'd, uh, well, we'd take like a, a crock, you know, a dish and mm-hmm. we'd salt and pepper our steaks. And then we would coat them with brown sugar, like yeah. kind of just cake it on there. And we'd stack them kind of layers like a lasagna. And then every morning and every night, we'd drain the blood off of it. That, that brown sugar would just pull all the blood out. And by the end of it, you had this slimy looking, almost black steak. It did not look appetizing. <laughs> but then we would, after three days of draining that blood every morning and every night, we would roll it in flour, just dredge it real quick and fry it in hot oil. and it. I'm telling you, it was like candy. It was so sweet, and the meat just fell apart. I, anybody that, that says bear is not edible, 
I would just say you have not had it prepared right because I'll tell you the choice of meat in my freezer right now is my wife will message me and say, Hey, pull out some bear sausage for, for dinner or, or, you know, it's, uh, it's always sure. interesting to hear who, who eats, uh, eats mm. the bear. Well, of course, uh, I, mainly, I mean, if you hunt it, you should eat it, but we don't okay. really eat the eat fox, but, <laughs> and Martin and such, mm-hmm. not mink either. Uh, but that's understandable. But uh, like the bears, I would say, at least with the brown bears, it all depends on the age and what they've been li- living on. Mm-hmm. How they smell, you know, how they taste. I mean, not smell, but I mean. Uh, so what do you guys have for forage around there? What are they usually eating? I mean, I'm assuming springtime, we know they're eating reindeer, but what about through the winter and, and fall? Well, blueberries. Like a wild blueberry? Yeah, that's. Uh, at least uh, around uh, uh, August, that's the blueberry time for them. That's when they big their, build their fat. Uh, and then you come a little, you know, in September, they start feeding on the lingberries instead because the blown, uh, bl- uh, blueberries are, has gone uh, down. So usually they start with the blueberries and go with the lingberries. And after that, they go to sleep, you could say. So they, so. they hibernate, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. they do. About now, you could say. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And then when did they start coming out in the spring? March? April? No. Well, I would say uh, the earliest about the middle of April. Okay. And that's, that's pretty early. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Well, they're, they're sleeping for a long time. Yeah. Well, actually, you had the colored female uh, up north in, in Sweden. Mm-hmm. I think she had cubs. But anyway, she left her then uh, in the middle of June. Oh, wow. And went for hibernation in the end of September. That's uh, oh, wow. She, she, good she, now. She, <laughs> yeah, she wasn't out there for a long time. She went to sleep again. Long enough to eat. Yeah. So, do you guys have like any wild nuts for like protein sources, or is it mainly just the the berries that they're eating on? Yeah, with mainly the berries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, of course they live on moose and everything, but I think the the main course is blueberries and uh, and lingberries. Mm-hmm. Now, do you notice, uh, so during the, the time they're eating the berries, is that correlating with your season? So you can kind of judge where they're going to be? You can locate them a little easier? Well, the, the years that when there's uh, patches with good uh, blueberry patches, then you can say, well, I'm going here, you know, I'm searching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some years there are blueberries all over the place, so it's pretty hard because they don't move around too much when they have the, you know, they're just standing and eating and sleeping. <laughs> they just camp on it. Yeah, and so when you find a place like that, you can, you can have a, a, a hundred by hundred meters that when there's you know bear crap all over the place and 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 beds, you know and. You know, they've been feeding and sleeping. 
<laughs> you could mm-hmm. say. Do you, because uh, I've heard this from, from several bear hunters across the U.S., do you notice a difference on how those bears react and how they run when they're eating the berries and they've got that supercharge of sugar? You know, I've heard guys say that a bear that's eating berries steadily and is jacked up on sugar can get a lot more aggressive than say the same bear after the berries are gone and they've switched over to a different food source. Do you notice any kind of a difference there or are they just honoring all the time? I haven't noticed that. No, unfortunately Uh, for a while I had a theory that the bears that were living on the carcasses were more aggressive, but I don't know. I'm sort of, sort of uh, not sure it's our best guess <laughs> yeah well i i had some problems I'll, with those uh, bears sometimes go ahead okay man. being protective over carcasses well they're just crankier <laughs> all over <laughs> <laughs> yeah. against dogs and people and everything oh i would but, imagine because they know yeah. that they're the top of the food chain when they're eating meat yeah you know and, and yeah. it seems like they right they have no no fear at that point. You know, a dog is is a lot smaller than a oh, moose. Yeah. And if they're going to take down a moose, I mean, a, I'm sure a hound doesn't really worry them as much as a, a bear that, you know, doesn't primarily eat carcass. No, I, that was my thought anyway, that, you know, they were a little more aggressive, actually. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think every bear <laughs> defines what a bear does. You know, they're all different. Yeah, they are. What is a big bear uh, over there? Like, what's, uh, what's, what's the bigger end of the spectrum for you guys? You're asking me or? Yeah, sorry, I'm, ask, I'm asking you, Rasmus. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's going to be a big okay. bear for you over, over in Sweden? Yeah. Well, if it's a big bear, I would say, 200 kilo plus uh, okay so for 400 pounds plus yeah. yeah but if it's a grown bear i would mm-hmm. say well 100 120 kilos okay uh, then it's a okay. grown bear and a but uh, mainly you could say a 200 kilo bear is much easier to kill normally than a 100 kilo bear i think Course, uh, I'm doing our conversions here. 200 kilos. We're looking about 440 pounds for all of yeah. our listeners out there, mm. which is a yeah, big bear. Like that. yeah, that's about it. <laughs> all the bear hunters out there listening that's right now, bear. we are preaching to the choir, but to truly judge the size of a bear, I think it's something that takes seeing them repeatedly over and over and over because they are so misleading. Yeah. You know, we call it ground shrinkage. You know, mm-hmm. so things they got a 500 pound bear when really, you know, it's quite a bit smaller. Um, four, 400 pound bears, big bear. Yeah, well, you know, the, the thing is, well, why I can say that is what, because the, like the system here in Sweden anyway, when we kill a bear, you have to uh, weigh it and take a lot of measures on it. Mm-hmm. Every bear that kills, you do that on. Mm-hmm. So I think okay. that. The biggest bear I've killed was 275 kilos. I think that's... Wow. That's huge. That's a, that's a big bear. That, that's 
that's 500 and that's 606 that's, pounds. That's, that's 600 and plus pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's of course, big one. But he, <laughs> he died too. <laughs> he died too. Just like the, the other ones, huh? Yeah. Well, the, you know, the thing is when the, with the really big ones is that they have a lot of confidence. So they don't get, usually don't, they don't get afraid like a smaller bear. So when you just walk in there on the bay up, they just normally, sometimes they just stand and look at, at you, you know, what are you, what do you want me? <laughs> They're not worried about you. <laughs> no, well, that could be the end of it. <laughs> so would you say that Sweden, they look at those bears as a resource? I mean, is it fairly, fairly well managed in your eyes? Because it sounds like with having to take all the measurements, they're collecting data, you know, and with these collar projects, same here. Like we have to turn in, in Oregon, we have to check our skulls in. We have to have a tooth pulled. If it is a female, you have to save the reproductive trap and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, take that to fish and wildlife for for their records. Um, Would you say that they are, they're looking at them as a renewable resource in a way? Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good to hear. Uh, we're uh, really taking care of the population, you could say. And I think every five or four years, we have uh, DNA samples collections in in different regions to follow <laughs> up how many bears there are around. So mm-hmm. you don't go get it. So it doesn't get too much or too low, you could say. Right. I, I think, think that's good because I don't want there to be a, a small amount of bears. I don't want to spill too many. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's well, bear without bear hunters here in Norway, yeah. I think without the bear hunters, you don't have a, a healthy bear population. You know, the guys on the ground are the ones that do 90% of it. The, the wildlife commissions that set the rulings, I mean, that's a very big part of it, but nobody wants those bears to be huntable more than a bear hunter. W- would you agree? Absolutely. Well, of course we want a healthy population that mm-hmm. you can hunt and that uh, is sustainable for hunting. So as That's far as right. licensing and, and fees, what does that look like for you as a, a resident of Sweden? Well, you could say it almost doesn't cost me anything special for bear hunting mm-hmm. uh, well it depends it's a little different system but for bear, for mainly for bear hunting it doesn't really cost you anything you don't have to uh, have any special permits or anything you just have to make the ta- shooting tests and everything and having the correct papers of course uh, is there a minimum caliber for shooting bears Oh yeah, yeah it is. Hmm. But we we have a uh, uh, we have a system in Sweden anyway, and in Scandinavia I think. But there yep. we have. Uh, but anyway, the Swedish Mauser six point five millimeters time fifty five. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. smallest you can use for shoot, shooting bears. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because that, that's a that would be a thirty six. No, that's 264 is the correct uh, for uh, 6.5 millimeters. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. What do you personally wow. use? 
Uh, I I've been using for quite a few years now. Um, it's eight millimeter time fifty seven. That's the the fifty seven millimeter is the length of the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pretty moderate thing. Uh, a little less than 35 wheel and you could say <clears throat> oh okay i think the correct uh, caliber is 323 uh, yeah okay. chunk of lead yeah well it's not so much but it's it's good enough <laughs> for killing a bear anyway mm-hmm. i yeah. really like the caliber i had a, a three uh, let me see 9.3 millimeter before and it, it was pretty much to shoot with. So I, I, I went, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wanted a, a less caliber, a less recoil, I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got a little uh, nicer caliber, friendlier, you could say. But it's not for... <laughs> Your shoulder thanks you. Yeah, but it's not for long-range <laughs> shooting, but it's good enough. Well, I'm assuming you don't get too much long-range. Over no. there, if you're baying bears, no. How, how close would you say you get on average? Well, usually when you get into a bay up, I mean you have to be on about ten to twenty meters. Mm-hmm. Usually, yeah, you have to be in there because you want to see where the dogs are and everything. Mm-hmm. So, what do you use what, for optics? Well, I have a, I have, I have. Um, What's the name? A three con one two six. So when you have it down for one one uh, size, it's like a red po- uh, like a, a aim point. You could say like mm-hmm. you sure. just look look through, and uh, mm-hmm. when you take it up to six uh, magnification, it's pretty much so you can shoot in long range or you know use it if you want anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I think I usually, well, if I shoot the bear on 50 meters, that's really much. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know th- I, the question that I had for you specifically is, you know, it sounds like through this conversation, the bears are bears are bears. You know, they yeah. act, act a lot alike. I think so. Is is the bear hunting what set the hook in you? I mean, I know the foxhounds are what got you started in the predator hunting, but was it the game that hooked you, or was it more of just the working dog side of it? I guess which came first, the dog or the bear hunting? Were you filling a need with the bear hounds to to go out and and get bears? Well, that was a tough one. Uh, I would say that, well, I, I, I could put it like this, simplify it as, as much as I can. Uh, for me, the most uh, interesting, interesting thing in hunting is the dogs. That's what I'm most into. I, that's what makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, if I wouldn't have dogs to go for bear, I wouldn't run, I wouldn't uh, shoot bears either. <laughs> Right, uh, because the the dog work is the interesting thing. Everything for me that's what that's the main thing. Was there one dog? I mean, that really stands out in your mind as you know the turning point. 
you know, like the first good dog you owned or the dog that taught you something, is there one that stands out? Well, well, I, I'm not sure really. Well, I guess, you know, the, the plots are still um, the bear dog for me, in, in my opinion. They, they have been the most successful dogs for me anyway to, to go for. If I really want to, we're supposed to take a bear that it could be. I also sometimes deal with bears that, you know, do problems, killing sheep and killing reindeers, for example, and other. And uh, well, that's what, then I take out the best plot I have and we do, we do the, the job, mm-hmm. <laughs> you could say. What was the first good, real good plot you had? Do you remember that dog and what its name was? Yeah. I actually own uh, had uh, I actually had two, but the first good one, he, his name was Bull, and he was uh, out of the first the first litter that got uh, uh, that was uh, bred up here in Sweden by the mm. the female we bought from Steve, um, and he was uh, I wouldn't say the most gritty plot that I've seen. I've had others that were had more grit than him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, he was uh, well me- most of the time he did everything right. But you know if you had a, a bear that he was alone on that was uh, aggressive, he could uh, you know turn and come back. Mm-hmm. But but you, if you just followed in there again and asked him to go in there, he he went there. But uh, so as I said, he wasn't the greatest dog I had. But most of the time, he did everything right. <laughs> but you could say that. Yeah. Uh, but, well, but, uh, uh, he was a really the greatest dog you ever had. Probably didn't live that long. <laughs> Well, he actually lives, but uh, for a couple of that's the blaze I have now, and yeah, I, uh, but uh, you know, he's been so close to death for so many times, I almost lost count of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, that's why I, he usually he's a really really good trailing dog too. So I usually keep him for the trailing, and then I let the younger dogs do the hard work. Yeah, keep him around as long as you can. Yeah, well, I love him. And, but, you know, it turned out that it, since he get hurt almost every time I put him on a bear, I sort of can't enjoy the hunt almost because I always worry what will happen if the bear turns and some guy shoots on the bear and it doesn't fall dead down <laughs> and everything. Mm. So, Right. Well. Wow. Well, I'll 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 do use him as a good trailing dog, and when everything goes down and no one else can handle it, I'll put him on the track and we take the bear. <laughs> you could say, right? <laughs> well, bear, I I can't say thank you enough. I mean, Rasmus, oh, thanks I'm... for joining us. I you know, bear, he thank spoke you, very man. highly of you, uh, yeah. and I can see why. You know, we would like to. Uh, get some links to your YouTube channel. I can go ahead and put those up for you if you'd like, so we can yeah. let our listeners see 
how things are done over in, in Sweden. And, Absolutely. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Is there, is there anything you'd like to cover that we haven't touched on here? Well, I can't really find anything for now anyway. <laughs> I know we, we filled about an hour, hour and 20 minutes probably. That was a lot of ground. Well, you guys usually ask during these podcasts, you guys usually ask for like a, a kind of a major wreck. The train type wreck. Of thing. I mean, I, I guess Rasmus started with the whole story about the two, the one dog, the one run where one dog died and one drowned. So that, that's a pretty, I guess that might be a little hard. To... <laughs> you got any funny ones? We like trash races, uh, <laughs> dogs running back. A 30 mile forever. run after a deer. Yeah. Oh, well. Ending up in a compost pile. You know. I, I actually had the, that was the worst thing I've experienced for quite some years, actually. And that was the last case this year. Mm. Uh, and it started with, uh, up north, you had the, I think it was one bear on the quota left. Uh, and that in that area, it's, it's actually in the middle of September. So it's quite good weather and everything. Anyway, some guys that were, you know, uh, well, they were driving in a helicopter, not driving, but flying. <laughs> they spotted a bear anyway. And uh, I mean, this, this is about two months ago. And I still get, you know, really, <laughs> well, sad when I think about it. Anyway, I mean, if, if it's one thing that with the dogs is that, especially the plots are backtracking, it's a problem, could be sometimes. So anyway, where they've seen the bear, it was, of course, quite some ways to go to walk in there because there isn't, isn't any roads or anything around there. So next day we went there and it was a track that should be about, uh, not so old, 12, 13 hours or something. So, well, anyway, I went there. Well, when we got to the place about where they said that they did see the bear the day before, uh, well, Blaze, like uh, the good the dog I have, he started showing, you know, he said, well, here's a bear track. <laughs> he started barking. He never barks in anything than bear tracks. So he opened up and, well, I just let him go. Eventually in the afternoon, he was still working the back track. <laughs> About 10 kilometers the wrong okay. way. Just grinding it. <laughs> well, that was a train wreck. And I mean, well, we could just say that at the end of the day that, you know, this this got really f***ed up. <laughs> <laughs> and there is no roads. You can't do anything to get in the head of the, the track again. Oh, I mean, right. So... They, by then it was two days old <laughs> oh no oh man so you yeah. had you had like a an seven or eight mile yeah race in the wrong direction yeah yeah that's some impressive trailing oh. though i mean that's brutal it's not getting better the farther he goes yeah. he must be no. cold nosed grubby dog <laughs> yeah well he, he he didn't go fast in the end <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, I, I just, you know, eventually I just walked in there and asked him, you know, what the hell are you doing? 
And they sort of looked on me. Well, you know, I'm trying to front this track, it looks like. <laughs> but it doesn't really go any good now. <laughs> oh, well, that's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah, well, I just excuse to the guys that called me and everything. I mean, it, that wasn't my hunting ground. It's quite some ways from here. And I was pretty sure that when I, when I drove up there, at, you know, this bear is dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then life happens oh yeah dogs are dogs it's nice to it's nice to hear that even the the best of the best can have bad days (laughs) yeah well and i said you know well you know the only thing i would have had to do is to just keeping Mm -hmm. on a leash for maybe 10 20 minutes more Mm -hmm. so i could read where so you know some point i could see i'm sure i would have seen if we were on the right track or the wrong track you know mm-hmm. right the, the uh, direction direction so, sure yeah was and actually it... he, he went away about five kilometers and then he turned they came back and yeah. i thought well you know okay well maybe that was the wrong track because he realized it by himself mm-hmm. but then when he had about 800 meters to me he sort of he swung back again and took the track on the right, you know, on the wrong way again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. So I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of, he doesn't really get like to get caught on the track. So maybe he realized he is in the, that direction. I go the other one so I can start, you know, continue running. I don't know. <laughs> well, he f***ed up that day anyway. <laughs> oh, well, hey, Rasmus, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I'm going to get with you. We're going to get those links up. And yeah. Thank you. I know it is late. What time is it where you guys are? It's 11 o'clock? 11 11, 11.30? Yeah. PM. Yeah. yeah. So we're on night owl yeah. hours over your way. So I, I really appreciate it. And Bear, thanks for coming on again, making this happen. And maybe, oh, no. thanks for having me. This was, uh, this was a blast. Oh, yeah. We'll have to catch up and, and do this again sometime. Yeah. No so, problem. Absolutely. All right. <laughs>